I think the other thing to mention is that the greenest healthcare system is one where people don't need to access it. And you know, at the moment, 2% of our healthcare budget goes on prevention and the rest goes into health services. And so we actually need a bit of a shift within, not even a bit, we need a massive shift in the healthcare sector. Hello and welcome to another episode of Vinny and Awesome GP. Positive conversations in general practice. Today I am very excited to sit down with our first ever panel and we have both Nicole Sleeman and Dr. Kate Wiley, both coming to us for Doctors for the Environment Australia. Now Dr. Nicole Sleeman is a Cairns-based GP with a focus on lifestyle medicine and an active member of Doctors for the Environment Australia. She joined Doctors for the Environment Australia or DEA in 2017 after learning about the extensive health impacts of climate change and the urgent need for climate action to protect human health. Nicole has since been actively involved in climate health advocacy, education and campaigning and recently completed a graduate certificate in public and, envi in public and environmentally sustainable health. She has a passion for raising awareness of planetary health and working with others with similar passions to create change. Now, equally impressive, we have Dr. Kate Wiley, a GP who is passionate about climate action to improve health. Based in Adelaide, Dr. Wiley is the Chair of Doctors for the Environment Australia and the RACGP Climate and Environment Special Interest Group. Dr. Wiley also facilitates DEA's After Hours webinar series. Dr. Wiley has founded Climate Medicine, www.climatemedicine.net, an advocacy project whereby she presents to community groups on the health effects of climate change. She is a member of the Climate Reality Leadership Corp after having completed training with Al Gore. In all her work, Dr. Wiley applies a medical model to the climate crisis and as such offers a treatment plan for climate change. She seeks to activate her audience so they can become more involved in creating a paradigm shift that we need to combat the climate crisis. Welcome to the show. I'm actually going to throw to Dr. Kate Wiley first. Now, Kate, can you just tell us a bit about DEA? Yes, yeah, sure. Thanks, Chris. Um, first, I just want to acknowledge that I'm calling from Ghana land and um, Namani, which is hello to a group in Ghana. And just a little clarify that my bio has kind of updated a little bit since then. I'm the immediate past chair of the RSAGP's climate group, the chair is now Catherine Pendry, and I'm the executive director of DEA. But yeah, so DEA was founded around a kitchen table 22 years ago in Adelaide and um, by five doctors who looked at the environmental problems our planet faces and thought, what can we do about that? How can we help? And yeah, so we founded DEA with a mission of caring for health by caring for the environment. So this fundamental recognition that climate care is health care and that, you know, what we do to our planet, we basically do to ourselves. We advocate on three main things, which are emissions reduction and protection of biodiversity in recognition of the extreme health harms of the climate crisis and also biodiversity loss. And the other big thing we do is sustainable health care in recognition that we need to kind of clean up our own industry if we're going to expect other industries to do the same. Lovely. Um, I want to throw it in you next, Nicole, if that's okay. Can you tell us a bit about health and carbon emissions? The topic came up at Wonka, which is where this panel idea originally came from. But can you just tell us a bit about health and carbon emissions? Yeah, so in Australia, um, health, the healthcare sector makes up 7% of the total of Australia's carbon emissions, which is equal to the same amount of emissions that South Australia releases each year. 
So we have a huge carbon footprint um, and on a worldwide scale, if the you know, entire worldwide healthcare sector um, withdrew their carbon emissions, then we would be I think either the fifth or the sixth uh, greatest emitting country in the world if we were classed in the country. So essentially, healthcare has a huge carbon footprint. Uh, and the problem is that because climate change is the greatest threat to human health, is that we're actually, you know, we all took an oath to do no harm, but we're all contributing to the problem and doing harm inadvertently. So there are different, um, you know, sustainable healthcare and carbon emissions healthcare are divided off into different kind of subsections. And uh, for example, in Australia, um, the tertiary healthcare system like public hospitals have the highest footprint and general practice uh, is 4% of the total footprint in Australia. And then within the healthcare sector, there's different um, areas. So pharmaceuticals has a really large proportion of carbon emissions. And that comes from uh, right from the beginning of the life cycle of a drug where it's produced to when it's packaged to when it's shipped over, you know, from overseas to Australia and then used and then, you know, may or may not be incinerated afterwards, but ends up in landfill. So, yeah, and then other sources of carbon, just, I guess, a really uh, important one to mention, given that this is a GP show, is um, the carbon footprint of respiratory inhalers, which is a huge hot spot in the health system full stop. But certainly in general practice, there's a huge opportunity for us to reduce uh, that hot spot significantly. And if that answers your question. I guess the take home message is that everything we do in medicine has a carbon cost. And, you know, of course, we're here to practice medicine, so we're going to emit carbon. Uh, but the, the amount of carbon that we're emitting is not in line with actual climate change, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh, sorry, we're just offering this. Um, we really agree with everything you said there, Nick. And, you know, like the puffers are such a low-hanging fruit for us in general practice, where with the stroke of our pen, you know, we can really reduce our carbon footprint. In the RACGP's climate group last year, we wrote an audit on this, if any of the listeners want to do a um, audit on puffers, where you can calculate the carbon footprint of your prescribing and then consider ways that you can reduce that while still maintaining good patient care. Because the puffer with the most, you know, the highest footprint is your good old Ventolin inhaler, you know, this reliever. And when you, you get people on the dry powder inhaler preventers, A, you're doing usually doing good patient care, so it's better for the patient, but it's also better for the planet because it's got lower emissions and, you know, reduces, you know, the ongoing problems of getting people going to, into hospital, which is, you know, the most carbon intensive and most costly part of the healthcare system. I think the other thing to mention is that the greenest healthcare system is one where people don't need to access it. And, you know, at the moment, 2% of our healthcare budget goes on prevention and the rest goes into health services. And so we actually need a bit of a shift within not even a bit, we need a massive shift in the healthcare sector. We need to invest in public health and true preventative healthcare uh, to reduce our emissions because some of the problem is that we're too top heavy. Um, and investing in general practice is a really good example of that because even though we only make up 4% of the total carbon emissions in the Australian sector, if we invest in general practice and keep people out of hospital, we're inadvertently reducing the healthcare footprint, sorry, the carbon footprint of the healthcare system because people don't need to go into these really carbon-intensive tertiary services. Yeah. I hadn't even considered that, the fact that keeping them out of hospital... Uh, I hadn't even considered that keeping them out of hospital is the lowest carbon event you can have. That's yeah. that's a really good way of thinking. I mean, obviously, we would do it anyway, but 
That's actually mm. a really good point. Yeah, and um, you know, continuity of care is the same thing. You know, the care that we have in general practice, where we, you know, have longitudinal care for pay people in our communities, for pay for families. You know, this is um, you know effective in reducing hospital admissions, and you know, inadvertently it saves carbon as well. So. GPs can feel pretty good about themselves, actually. A lot of the work we do is really low-carbon healthcare, and you know, it's um, it's a good thing for our profession. Yeah. It's also there's a lot to be said for um, for keeping people out of hospital by focusing on wellness. You know, like we have we say we have a health system, but I would you know propose that it's actually become a bit of a sick system where we perpetuate all these you know potentially reversible, non-communicable chronic diseases such as diabetes, which is preventable, such as heart disease, which is preventable. And so one must ask, like, where is our focus? Because if we truly are going to be a health system, then we want to keep people healthy. And then what does that look like? And what does that mean for the delivery of healthcare? You know, should we have a more lifestyle medicine-based focus within the healthcare sector? Or should we be putting more emphasis on, you know, access to services that improve the social determinants of health? You know, more, more free exercise for people who can't afford to put, like join a gym or, yeah, I think it really, uh, for me, when I learned about the carbon footprint of healthcare, it really made me think about what does it mean to be a health professional and what are we doing in the healthcare sector? Because at the moment our emissions are continually going up and those emissions don't take into account all the plastic pollution or, you know, the chemical contamination into waterways from pharmaceuticals. Um, so yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity to transform as a health sector and really evolve what does healthcare look like in the 21st century. So agree with you, Nick, and so much yeah. that is good for people is good for the planet. You know, we talk a lot in climate and health, Chris, about health co-benefits and, you know, the two most obvious ones are, you know, transport that you use, you know, rather than, you know, drive a internal combustion engine car, get on a bike or use your feet, you know, and that's going to be good for you and good for your planet. You know, with diet rather than eating a high processed food, you know, sort of sort of high fat, high high meat diet, go on a plant rich diet. You know, it's good for your planet, it's good for you, you know, and it's just so just really highlights the way some of the way we work in our society really isn't very healthy and that we as GPs can really advocate with our patients for ways to, you know, make things better. And to add to that, you know, looking at things like diet and exercise, um, you, uh, you know, as, as health practitioners, like we've been, we've gone to uni and learned how to be experts in disease and not experts in health. And maybe that was okay in the era of, you know, infectious diseases, the core public health stuff. But, you know, now 70% of what we see is chronic non-communicable disease. And, you know, a diabetic who is poorly controlled over the lifespan has a massive carbon environmental footprint when you think about all their, you know, kind of repeated uh, visits to general practice, free monthly blood, you know, hospital admissions, they might end up with chronic renal failure and on dialysis. So there's a huge carbon footprint for somebody who's sick for their, you know, for the extent of their life. And for a disease which is preventable, it asks me, like, how can I become an expert in health rather than an expert in disease? Because we can prevent a lot of these things. And the other thing that I've learned through being involved with lifestyle medicine is that when we stay healthy ourselves, we're more likely to talk about these things with patients. So those uh, clinicians who smoke, for example, are much less likely to talk about smoking cessation with patients. And the same is true for those who exercise or eat a healthy diet or you know, eat mostly plant-based. 
And myself, when I'm exercising regularly, I'm 100 times more likely to be plugging that in my consults. And when I'm yeah. not, and I'm feeling a bit unhealthy myself, you know, there's a, there's a sense of unease about then, you know, preaching that when I'm not doing it. And so we yeah. really need to be models as well as health professionals because that has a knock-on effect. For everybody that watches us, including all our colleagues, but every patient that comes in, you know, they say I ride my bike to work. And, yeah, it, it has an impact. And it, it means that it's just encouraging that health. You know, how can we how can we change the frame of reference? So we're not always checking for disease, but we're actually cultivating health. Mm, that's really lovely. And just to add, you know, certainly the riding your bike thing, you know, um, I, I work in a small group practice because there's six of us. And, you know, I was very much the sort of the, the greeny climate doctor for a long time and no one kind of engaged with me about it until I started riding my bike. And that was when it was like, okay, you know, she's she means this. She's kind of putting her money where her mouth is. And it's just created so many conversations with my colleagues and, of course, as Nick says, you know, with my patients because they see my bike parked out the front and they go, oh, yeah, you know, we start talking about cycling and cycling infrastructure and, you know, how much we enjoy it. Yeah. That's actually such a beautiful way of having the conversation about health and climate. It's very empowering because I feel like a lot of my patients are disempowered around climate health and even my colleagues. And it shows the level of complexity. It's not just about whacking a solar panel on the roof of your general practice. There are steps every day that you can take to look after your health, to look after the planet's health and to look after your patient's health. That is that is way more than I was expecting to get when I uh, lined up the interview with you guys. That's really empowering. Oh, good on you, Chris. <laughs> so yeah. tell me about what people should do if they want to get involved. How do they get involved with you guys? Well, with DEA, you can join DEA. Certainly you can go and look at our website, which, you know, Doctors for the Environment Australia. Um, was it dea.org.au? I should know that pretty easily. Um, you know, and we've got lots of, you know, we've got 2,000 members around the country doing various things and we've got um, different specific interest groups for things like pollution or sustainable healthcare, medical education, mental health, you know, a few groups like that. And then we've got various state committees that do things. And so certainly if any members would want to join that. The other thing is join the RACGP's climate group, um, the um, climate and emergency medicine specific interest group, which I can never say, it's too long. I always find it really hard to say. Um, but certainly, you know, you can do that with the specific interest faculty. See, I still can't say it with the um, college. Um, you know, I think there's a lot out there for climate conscious people and you just have to go out and look for it. And you know, I think doctors, we're not unique. A lot of our patients are very concerned about climate as well. And so by us showing that we care about that, we can, you know, have these conversations and be part of a community of change. Yeah. I think Nick might want to say. Yeah, I found getting involved, I mean first when I um, I guess wanted to get involved, I joined Doctors for the Environment. Um, and then after that, found the Climate and Health Alliance as well, which is a great organisation. And then there was the RACGB Climate and Environmental Medicine um, Special Interest Group, which is great. Uh, and then also what I've found, you know, I've met different health professionals over the years of being involved in the climate movement. And probably a lot of them aren't involved with the specific health climate groups. And mm -hmm. I think I've found, you know, I get involved in groups outside the climate health movement specifically, but I'm able to take my skills to those groups to enrich their campaign. So, you know, there's a 
big rally on this Sunday in Cairns by you know the climate groups up here, and so I'll be speaking briefly on climate change and health. And so I think we can. I think I would advise that if people are interested, and we should be interested because this is climate change is a health issue, and we're in the business of health, so we should be interested. Um, you know, the thing is to get involved with organisations like DEA, CAHA, you know, the RACTPC, and get a little bit up to date on how does this impact my practice and what does it mean for me as a health professional. Uh, and then I think it's great also to be involved outside in the other climate groups and know what else is happening so that we're not necessarily working in a silo. And it's great to be connected. Like, I didn't even know that audit. I didn't know about that audit that you just mentioned, Kate. So I'm going to message you after and get... <laughs> Yeah, so you know, it's being involved with these groups that you learn about all these fantastic issues, and we build the movement within healthcare of people doing great things, and that's so important. Uh, and then I think it's also really important to be able to work with other groups and be part of the greater movement because we're just one part. You know, we bring that health, human health aspect, healthy people, healthy planet, um, and there's so many crossovers, and really that climate change is such a huge issue that we need to join forces with every campaigning group, you know, the, the movement needs to come together and build its power and, you know, try yeah. and push the information. So I encourage all health professionals, the first stop is coming to like the health and climate spaces, because then it's how do we do stuff in our own workplaces. Uh, and then once I became more confident around climate change and health, now I'm like, yeah, I can speak at a rally, which isn't health specific, because I can bring that and, and educate the community. You know, lots of people in the community have no idea about health and climate and there's such a huge opportunity and if we're only in our climate health space you know we're only kind of talking to colleagues but this needs to be spread far and wide absolutely and you know like a lot of DEA members do a lot of community-based care where they're involved with other community groups and DEA is a member of Climate Action Network Australia which is a conglomeration of all the big climate groups and you know they really value having the health voice there you know, they, they really welcome us with open arms because, you know, we, you know, we show that this is a science-based problem. We show that we as a profession are caring about the health of our communities. And, um, you, know, you, you know, it's community working together that creates change. And so we get to be part of this bigger, beautiful movement. And it's just really affirming, makes you feel good about yourself. It makes you happier. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just feel like there's so much we can do there. And, you know, as doctors, we're pretty skilled. We've got some, you know, we've got some capacity. We've got some things that we can do. And, you know, it's all about trying, right? Like I did my first talk at a, my local library eight years ago. I can't remember when. And, you know, I was really intimidated. I was really scared. I was going to talk about climate change and health. And um, one of my compatriots in DEA, this excellent um, woman called Eleanor Evans, who's also a GP, said, don't worry, Kate, you don't have to get an A. You just have to have a go. And I think that's like the best advice I've ever been given is just have a go, just try. And then I think so many GPs are concerned about climate. You know, so many of us have been affected by it now. You know, with all the extreme weather events and the fires and all the awful, awful things, you know, we're all feeling it personally. And so, you know, what's our answer as humans and as doctors? And it's, you know, for me, it's being part of the climate and health movement. And I think for DEA members, that's their answer too. And I would second that. I found, you know, I think as doctors as well, we feel like we have to know everything, or if we don't know something exactly accurate, then we shouldn't say it. It's kind of like a training. And so it's taken me a long time to realise that it's actually enough to say that, you know, heat waves increase heat-related deaths. Like for the average person, 
I, I don't need to relay a textbook on heat-related illness and why climate change is caused by carbon emissions, which then causes increases in heat waves, you know, in very like, huge detail. It's not necessary. The message that needs to get out there is that climate change, you know, impacts human health and is a great threat to civilization. And so I think that's also, you know, lots of people, I think lots of doctors are concerned, but they're not confident enough to say anything with any authority and even to patients. You know, I didn't used to feel like I could say to patients, but now I'm really open in every consult. You know, if there's something that has some sort of relation to climate change, I'm going to mention it because there's an ethical responsibility that people understand what's happening. And, you know, just to raise awareness and to say, yep, this is what I stand for because it's a huge health issue. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just biting the bullet, but also just being confident enough to know that we know more than most. You know, most people don't realise that climate's a health issue unless they've been heavily involved in the movement. So it's, it's okay to, you know, say that and just share some simple, simple things around that. Yeah, you don't have to, like, know the odds ratio or whatever. You know, like, you don't have to have that, oh, I've got this meta-analysis in my drawer. But we love like, an odds ratio. We love a <laughs> No, we don't, Chris, we don't. Some people do, I'm sure. But, you know, like, I think we are allowed to have permission to talk around climate with our patients. And I, I think there's this common um, thing about, oh, but it's not our lane. You know, it's not our lane to talk about climate change. Well, absolutely it is our lane. Like, it is the greatest health problem facing humanity. You know, it's causing ill health now in Australia and across the globe. We're in, in the hottest recorded year in our planet's history. This is real and it's happening. And so, you know, as Nick just said, we have an ethical responsibility to act. You know, if we're, you know, if our, the first line of, of the oath is, you know, I concentrate my life to the service of humanity, mm. we're not on the oath if we're not talking or doing something about the greatest health problem we face. And so, you know, I think we can give ourselves permission to talk about it in our work, you know, and, you know, we talk about everything else, you know, doctors, we ask lots of very personal questions. So we're allowed to talk about climate. And, you know, like it sounds like Nick does this too, where you just, you can weave it in, you know, like if it's a hot day, you know, how, you know, worry about how you're going with the heat and talk about how, you know, as our planet gets hotter, heat waves are becoming an increasing problem and just want to make sure you're safe and, you know, you're keeping your fluids up or, you know, with, um, you know, asthma, we're seeing changes in asthma rates because of climate. So, you know, you can kind of weave it into the conversation. Certainly with mental health, I think it's really, really important to actually screen for concern about the planet. And, you know, like I absolutely do this in mental health consults. You know, are you worried about your planet is the question I ask. And lots and lots of people are. And if we're not asking about that, when we know that a good quarter of Australians are alarmed about their planet, if we're not asking about that, then we're missing a really, really important clinical consideration. And so, yeah, I think GPs have a big role to play in, um, you know, addressing all of these things. Well, speaking of heat waves, it is about 40 degrees here in Sydney, and I will start to wrap this up and get down to a swim at the beach, and okay. I can be active that way and look after my own health so I can encourage patients. Thank you both for your, so much for your time. I look forward to seeing all the good work you do over at DEA and you have a lovely day. Are you back to consulting at this point? Not me today. Nick? No, Friday is my day off. I have to organise my life <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, you guys have a nice day. That'll be my health. And to those day. listening, remember, you are an awesome GP. Now get out there and just try something. Be an awesome GP is targeted at general practitioners in the Australian
should not be taken as formal medical advice and you should consult your own clinician for any medical matters. Opinions are those of the presenter or guests and do not necessarily